Kia ora and welcome to the Happy Revolution podcast. My name is Mika, and in this episode, I'm joined by my co-host Rachel. Today, we're chatting with Etienne Wayne, who is a PhD student and law tutor at Te Heringa Waka, Victoria University. He studies law, specifically focusing on te tiriti or waitangi and what it means to be tangatatiriti. We chat with Etienne about immigration, identity, and what te tiriti or waitangi means for immigrants in Aotearoa. Kia ora Etienne, thank you for coming. Kia ora. How's your day been so far? Oh, great. I just woke up, this is my first thing, so... All done from here. <laughs> At 1pm, love it. Um, so can you give us a bit of an overview of like your PhD, um, your studies, and what inspired you to do them? Wow, big question. Mm. Okay, what I am currently doing is I've just started a PhD at the beginning of this year. still feels very new. I am studying tangata tiriti. Um, that, that phrase has just kind of captivated me since I first heard it. And when I was thinking about doing postgraduate study, I was thinking about a bunch of different things all around Te Tiriti or Waitangi. But it kept coming back to Tangata Tiriti. I kept hearing it. People kept saying it. People kept meaning completely different things when they said it. Um, and so I thought, here's, here's a good couple of words to spend a few years on, just mulling over. Um, so more specifically, I come from um, a law background, but like I did an undergrad law degree. And then at the very like end of it, I did some courses on tetiriti and the law, indigenous rights, those sorts of things. And I thought, wow, this is what's been missing from the entire like five years. And just thinking like, wow, general law, becoming a lawyer, those things don't really appeal to me. But man, those last few courses really did. So what if I just did some postgrad and just double down on the bits that I thought were actually cool. So that's that's how I got to doing a PhD. Law is very, like, it can be very strict on, like, what people think is law and what isn't. And probably we'll talk about this in more detail, but often law generally means, like, the stuff that's debated in the courts or the stuff that's passed by parliament, which is a very, like, Western-centric view of law. But there is also a growing understanding of the importance of te tiriti o waitangi and the law of tikanga Māori and like alternate viewpoints that are not Western that could also be part of what we might call the New Zealand legal system or the, or the state legal system. All that to say that one thing that I want to do, and this is probably because of the law background, is like get some more definition around what tanga te tiriti means because it's good that it's an open phrase that people can lend meaning to. But also, maybe there are some parameters somewhere and maybe we don't want everyone saying their tangata tiriti, this is what tangata tiriti means, and potentially going against perhaps the Tikanga Māori foundations of that phrase, for example. So I wanted to look at what the um, People in law talk a lot about rights and responsibilities or rights and obligations, and that's that's a lens that I want to look at. Probably more importantly for me, what are the obligations of tangata tiriti? If we're calling ourselves this, which you know, I haven't even defined either in my research or so far in this chat yet, but if you're calling yourself tangata tiriti, what should that compel you to do or what should that invite you to do if you want to take on that identity? And then also, sure, rights. Like, 
what might it mean for, for your belonging to Aotearoa if you are tangata tiriti? That seems to be a big reason why people get to it in the first place. People are like, oh, maybe confronted with the history of colonization and feeling a lot of guilt around that, people immediately go for the label that makes them sound less bad um, or the label that might lend themselves like some belonging to this place. And that's part of the conversation too, although probably the wrong motivation to come to it from. But there is something about tangata tiriti maybe belonging to Aotearoa through te tiriti o Waitangi in a different way to how settlers, immigrants, Pākehā, Tauiwi settlers of colour have belonged to Aotearoa in times past. Also, I'm looking at um, the implications, at least at this point, it's all still very new and things keep changing, but if we have this idea of the rights and responsibilities of tangata tiriti and also um, the relationship, there's um, the third R that generic law often misses, but you can't have rights and responsibility in either tikanga Māori or the tiriti or waitangi context without talking about the relationship between tangata tiriti and tangata whenua. Really should give definitions of some of these terms at some point. But also, what does that mean for us um, more widely as a nation, ostensibly founded on te tiriti or waitangi, but we've got a governance system that's kind of copied and pasted just from England with maybe a few nice bits tacked on. Doesn't quite sound like the, the joint outworkings of a relationship between two peoples. And when I say two peoples, I don't mean Māori and Pākehā, I mean tangata whenua, tangata tiriti. Yeah, even talking about it in those terms, having just a control C, control V English government constitutional system copied and pasted here, maybe that's inconsistent with the idea of tangata tiriti and relationship with tangata whenua through te tiriti. So what might this idea of tangata tiriti mean for how we govern ourselves, how power is shared and distributed, those sorts of interesting things? Um, I think it would be useful to just talk just briefly about the treaty and te tiriti and like I was wondering if you could maybe give sort of an overview of the two documents and some of the ways in which they've been viewed and, yeah, some contemporary sort of, I guess, analysis around that, particularly like highlighting the differences and where those are relevant. Okay, first I want to say, and probably should have said this earlier, I am, well, I identify as Tangata Tiriti. My ancestry, my whakapapa is... On my mum's side, um, Malaysian Chinese, that's ethnic Chinese people who have lived in Malaysia for decades, centuries. And on my dad's side, I am Pakia. So I am not Māori. I identify as Tangata Tiriti. So maybe, maybe that's a good place to start because otherwise I'll keep saying Tangata Tiriti and think I need to define it. I don't have a, a perfect, exact definition of what tangata tiriti means at this point. I don't think I'll ever have that. But what I do have at the moment is what some other people have said. And this phrase tangata tiriti came into public consciousness in a big way in the 1980s with a speech by um, Sir Eddie Takahure Jury, who was the um, chairperson of the Waitangi Tribunal at that point, I think. 
and he was trying to reframe the treaty relationship because at the time in the 80s the treaty was seen as a document of the rights of Māori, a document detailing those rights and at the time it was you know around the time of the Māori Renaissance big movements around revitalizing te reo Māori around like land not being confiscated from Māori by the crown land being given back even and there were um, claims being heard in the relatively newly established Waitangi Tribunal around all of this and so the public perception by which I guess I mean the kind of Pākehā public perception was the treaty was this thing that sure had been signed a while back and now Māori were using in order to get things or to enforce their rights and so Eddie Jury wanted to flip the narrative around that and he said and this is not an exact quote but the treaty is not simply a bill of rights for Māori but a bill of rights for Pākehā too. It is um, the treaty that gives Pākehā the right to be here in Aotearoa. If Māori are the tangata whenua, the people of the land with an ancestral deep connection to the land, then the connection that Pākehā have is that of tangata tiriti, people of the treaty, um, connected to this land because of the promise in te tiriti or waitangi. And so that was that was the phrase that started me off on my journey and I come back to that speech very often when I'm feeling like I'm losing my way or wondering what it's all about. And there have been other conceptions of what tangata tiriti means since then, but that's one that I often come back to. So you will notice that that conception was phrased in terms of Pākehā being tangata tiriti, and I've wrestled around that one a lot as someone who is Tawiwi, a settler of colour, and wondering if this doesn't just apply to Pākehā, but also applies more widely. And what I can say at this point in my research, reading things like the Matika Mai report, for example, is there seems to be a wider acceptance that tangata tiriti doesn't just apply to Pākehā, but to all of us immigrants, and I include Pākehā in that term, immigrant, all of the people who have come to Aotearoa since the signing of Te Tiriti. So, yeah, there's that. And then going back then to Te Tiriti 101, how we got there was wanting to stress that I am Tangata Tiriti, so I can only speak from that particular place in talking about what I think Te Tiriti means. And hopefully my work and my views are informed heavily by um, tangata whenua who are working in this area. But I am not tangata whenua and it's important to make that clear. So, te tiriti o Waitangi. Um, you know, since Captain Cook's arrival in Aotearoa, these people from all over the world, but predominantly from Britain, started coming to Aotearoa. Māori had been there for centuries prior to that. And then these odd new arrivals started coming. And eventually the idea came about that there should be a treaty between these new arrivals and tangata whenua. And there are all sorts of 
debates, questions as to what the motivations were behind the signing of this document. But one thing that we do know is that Governor Hobson, coming from the British Empire, was asked to get a treaty signed between the British Crown and Māori in order to pro provide some justification for the British presence there and to give the, the British yeah, some sort of standing um, to, at the very least, possibly at the very most, to govern their own people in Aotearoa. There was a, um, a treaty that was written in English and then translated into Te Reo Māori by Henry Williams. We have what some people call an English version and some people call a Māori version. These are also conceptualised maybe as the English draft and the Māori text, or the English text and the Māori text, and each of those different wordings implies different things. For example, how valid each text or document. Some people think that they can be reconciled into one general thing as well. And the question that you asked, Mika, has the implication that there are differences. And so, well, let's go into that. Three articles on paper, what's been called the fourth article or the oral article as well, um, also has a lot of bearing. I go by the idea that oral tradition is very important in te kunga Māori and the things said as part of the debates at the Waitangi Treaty Signing Grounds and elsewhere in Aotearoa in the, the pre-signing debates, those have bearing, those have weight on what is contained in Te Tiriti as well. So, first article in English talks about the Crown gaining sovereignty over Aotearoa. And there are lots of, you know, the, um, the classic conception of what that would mean is the Crown getting absolute control, absolute power over everything. And that seems to be the assumption that the British Crown proceeded on from then on to the complete detriment of Māori. And then in Te Reo it talks about kawanatanga, talks about the, the British Crown being given kawanatanga, which comes from kawana, meaning governor. So maybe some sort of governorship over probably largely British subjects. Um, so some sort of delegation of power, remembering that Māori had absolute power in Aotearoa before the arrival of these newcomers. This power was, in fact, restated in Hifakaputanga, the Declaration of Independence, a few years before signing of Te Tiriti. That stated that Māori had complete power in Aotearoa and Te Tiriti must be looked at in the context of that declaration. And some very interesting and important comparisons can be made between the words used in Hifakaputanga and the words used in Te Tiriti to help ascertain what te tiriti should mean, to ascertain what um, the rangatira who were signing te tiriti thought they were signing based on what had already gone before in Whakaputanga. Article 1, absolute sovereignty to the crown, or kawanatanga, which by most accounts seems to be a far more limited version of power granted to the crown. And then there's been some more recent scholarship by this guy called Ned Fletcher, who was saying that maybe when the British used the term sovereignty, they were meaning some lesser form of 
governmental power than absolute sovereignty. And so that's, that's out there as well as a possibility. Then Article 2 in Te Reo Māori, Rangatira were guaranteed te rangatira tanga over all their lands and also over all taonga, which could be loosely translated to treasured things, things of value, um, which is a very expansive term which has been held in the Waitangi Tribunal to mean to extend to things like te reo Māori, the Māori language, also radio waves, which then can convey te reo Māori. In English, it seems like something far less expansive was promised, which was understood possession of lands, forests, fisheries. No mention of an equivalent word to taonga, but that sounds like classic English property rights, which sort of the basis of Western society at the moment, and talk about like the idea that it's my land, I can do whatever I want with it. So yeah, this kind of guarantee of English style property rights to Māori, as opposed to tiratanga, which has been translated into terms like sovereignty or self-determination, which perhaps sound closer to um, the sovereignty in Article 1 that the Crown thought they were getting, as opposed to just English-style property rights, um, which I talked about in the English Article 2. Also inherent in the idea of rangatiratanga, and this is me as tangata tiriti, trying to explain te Māori concepts, but it's not a Māori articulation of them. So, you know, take on with caution. But Māori ideas of connection to the land seem far more expansive than English ideas. It's not just, I own this plot of land, I can do whatever I want with it. It's talking about being connected to the land, relating to the land, having responsibility for taking care of it, a sense of kaitiakitanga, of taking care of the land, a more reciprocal relationship. So a much bigger concept in Te Reo for Article 2. And then Article 3, the least controversial of these three written articles in times gone by, but interesting scholarship on it more recently, talking about in English, um, Māori getting the rights and privileges of British subjects and in te reo, something vaguely similar. I think the words are the, the tikanga of the people of England, also applying to Māori. And more recently, that's been looked at in terms of not just implying equal rights, but also a sense of equity in them as well. Um, this was especially big in the Waitangi Tribunal's stage one report on haora health, um, in terms of looking at the inequities, the health inequities between Māori and Pākehā especially, the idea there that maybe the Article 3 promise has not been fulfilled there because of the inequities there. And then also this fourth oral article about freedom of religion and belief and including the, the guarantee that Māori religion, Māori spirituality, that would be guaranteed and maintained under the, the new arrangement under Tisiriti. So is that, where should I go from here, Mika? Where, where That's, we? Thank you. That's a really, really useful overview to sort of frame and contextualise some of that discussion. I was wondering if you could speak more into the, like, idea of tangata tiriti and Pākehā and, like, how those concepts are linked and some thinking you've done around that. That's a great question. Um, and that's how I basically got into this 
this research because for the longest time I've been hearing about when people talk about tetiriti, they talk about Māori and Pākehā, they talk about biculturalism, they talk about these as the, the two founding cultures, two peoples and this land. And I think the idea of biculturalism has been quite helpful to a degree and it certainly was revolutionary in the 70s, 80s, 90s, when mm. there was some real hope that these ideas of biculturalism would help change things. And then they kind of didn't, and that idea got co-opted and never really played out to fruition. And so we've got, there's um, a book I'm meaning to read called Beyond Biculturalism, where the premise is something like biculturalism has failed, what next? But, um, in terms of all that also, the idea of biculturalism as someone who is Tauiwi of colour, biculturalism, we've found, has left Māori behind in terms of biculturalism being around this idea of a partnership between Māori and the Crown or Māori and Pākehā. People seem to use those all in, in, in the same breath. And let's face it, the Crown is pretty Pākehā at this point, so that's a fair thing to do. People talk a lot about treaty partnership, and I personally don't like that phrase and try not to use it because the way that seems to have played out is the Crown being the senior partner with all of the resources and all of the rights to make decisions and then Māori is the junior partner who you know might be consulted every now and then but um, you know who's really running the show here. I saw in a, a court decision the idea of um, partnership being like well it doesn't mean the partnership has to be equal so that's, that's what the, the entire program of biculturalism has been premised on up to now. So biculturalism, not great for Māori, also not great for Tauiwi of colour um, in terms of by two, there are only two peoples, there are only two ways of doing things around here, and so everyone else gets left behind. And so then the idea of tangata tiriti and as I said before, maybe it applies not just to Pākehā, but also to Tauiwi of colour as well. Maybe this is a chance to kind of reboot the treaty relationship or to bring it back to how it could and should, in my view, be. If we're going to talk about two peoples, which I'm very happy to, but two peoples, one being Tangata Whenua, original inhabitants, deep ancestral connections to the land, ways of doing things that date back centuries, and then kind of putting all of these new arrivals from the 1800s onwards or 1700s onwards into the other basket. There are pitfalls around that as well, but I think there is a lot of merit in that approach. Because the important thing about being tangata tiriti is the acknowledgement that you are here because of tiriti, and that's something that I as toei of colour, toei of colour, am very happy to unite around with Pākehā. I mean, there are still going to be pitfalls around that kind of white supremacy is is one of those potential pitfalls of mm. all tauiwi, Pākehā, tauiwi of colour, atangata tiriti, then there's a real risk that Pākehā will then dominate the tangata tiriti space. And so that's, that's something that we all need to be vigilant of. But if we can work through that one, I think it's certainly, yeah, a hopeful way forward. I really liked what you were just talking about with around biculturalism and kind of like how historically it's been talked about, like there's a whack kind of power dynamic yeah, there yeah. of like 
yeah, kind of the crown of Pākehā or even Tangata Tiriti being overpowering of Tangata Whenua. Can you speak a little bit to, like, on for those of us who are Tangata Tiriti, mm. um, what are some ways in which, like, we can live into into that? That's a great question. It's a big question. It's a big question. Yeah, all I have at the moment for that is is the beginnings of thoughts, um, and I, I hope to have more to say about that later on when I've done some more research. One group that I take a lot of inspiration from is this group Asian supporting Te Roranga Teretanga. It started off as a, a motley crew of people showing up to the um, Waitangi Day commemorations at Waitangi, kind of like holding some of these thoughts of what is the um, the place of being Asian Aotearoa, what are things that we as Asians can do around Te Tiriti. And they just started uh, carrying a flag to their celebration saying Asians supporting Te Roranga Tiritanga. And I think that encapsulates a lot around what Tangata Tiriti can and should be doing if they identify as Tangata Tiriti. What can I do in um, my everyday life and also on a big scale to support Te Roranga Tiritanga, to support Māori self-determination, sovereignty, if you want to use that word. And it's going to look different for different people in terms of what things look like in the everyday. Certainly, I think about this a lot for like the public service. Anything that moves away from the Crown being the senior partner that knows everything and has to consult with Māori every now and then, moving from that to co-creating policy with Māori and co-creating stuff that actually works for Māori and opening up those like prized hands around all the control and power and yeah, allowing hapu, iwi, urban Māori authorities to do the things that they want to do as opposed to being above those entities. It goes some way. Um, I would say complete constitutional transformation is probably a logical outcome of um, people starting to identify as Tangata Tiriti as well. Because as I said earlier, um, it's hard to have right relationship between Tangata Tiriti and Tangata Whenua when our entire legal, political, constitutional system is basically just copy and pasted from England. And so co-creating a new system together that stems from Tangata Whenua and Tangata Tiriti ways of thinking would be a logical um, next step from identifying as Tangata Tiriti in my mind. But also thinking of like in the everyday as well, that's a hard one because yeah, people often learn about Te Tiriti and they're like, ah, great, well, what does that mean? I mean, another thing is in voting. I personally believe that our current political system is not good and we need complete constitutional transformation. But, um, you know, at the moment we get to vote once every three years and also engage in other political processes and prioritising te roranga tiritanga, Māori self-determination, that could be a good ethic um, as to how you vote um, and how you participate in politics if you identify as tangata tiriti. But then on an everyday sort of thing, what can you do in your workplace or in your studies in your studies, you can definitely, you know, if you have the opportunity to research stuff for an essay, maybe just look a little bit wider. Maybe don't just take for granted what your 
Archaea Electra is, is telling you and the recommended readings, but try and find Māori perspectives on things and prioritise them. What do you think for, particularly for like newer arrivals, like I'm talking maybe recent immigrants or refugees, people who might not have a lot of conception around any of these sorts of issues or that they even exist, what would you say would be some like good ways to sort of get started and engaging in some of that and like what might be a good place to learn from and stuff like that? That's a brilliant question, especially because if you arrive in Aotearoa today as a refugee or a migrant, the way that system is set up means you're not likely to come into contact with these ideas of being tangata tiriti or supporting tēnā rangatira tanga. It's, yeah, it can be very tough as a, a recent migrant to get settled here full stop. The immigration system is terrible. Um, these days, if you want to migrate, we've got something like a points-based system at the moment. You get points for speaking English and points for being in a high-demand industry. And these days especially, a move towards also having lots of money to start off with so that you can set yourself up here and um, contribute to the economy. Oh, and you better not have any um, health difficulties or anything because then you'll be a drain on the public health system. So it's, it's a very... Neoliberal conception of migration, where it needs to benefit New Zealand's economy and its GDP and those sorts of things. Then you're also faced with anti-migrant sentiment, depending on where you're from. You know, if you're a white migrant, all very well in, in comparison to being um, a migrant of colour and being faced with the system's desire for you to assimilate, while at the same time the system and... The, the, the Pākehā majority feeling some distance towards you as well. So it's been described as sort of catch-22 for migrants. You're, you're told to assimilate and give up your entire culture in order to fit in, but also you never will quite fit in anyway, so what's the point? And this is this is a good pivot. I think the concept of being tangata tiriti is a much better story, um, is a much better thing to hang your identity on as a migrant. If you ever managed to encounter that particular language, which you might not, because it's it's hard being a migrant and just trying to, you know, with the pressures of assimilation and whatever. But if, if a migrant did find out about the concept of tangata tiriti, it would be very helpful, I would think. Um, this idea that rather than the um, the neoliberal point system giving you your right to be here, it's actually te tiriti or waitangi, a much more expansive and hopeful document um, that is reason for you to be here. And I want to read a quote from Juana Jackson. Do you mind if I look it up? Yeah, yeah. please. I worked in a supermarket over summer in Nelson, and there's so many, like, genius migrants who are stuck working in a supermarket in yeah. Nelson because they actually, yeah. like, they just can't go to the places where the industries are that they actually mm. yeah. like have a real passion for because mm. they just don't have the points, which just isn't that. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. It's crazy. I found the quote. This is from Matua Moana Jackson, who passed away earlier this year and was a huge inspiration to so many of us working in the space of Te Waitangi constitutional transformation. This is um, a quote from him for a, um, a talk that he gave at Te Hiringawaka Victoria University Law School in 2018. So he says, and so Te Tiriti or Waitangi for me 
welcomed people from somewhere else onto our marae. You are welcome. You can live your lives as who you are, but this is the basic kawa, that you will respect the rights of others, you will respect the land, and you will work together to make this a better place. And to me, as someone from a migrant family and thinking about the story of migrants in Aotearoa, this seems like a much better story. This seems like a hopeful story, even, as opposed to the neoliberal points-based narrative, assimilation narrative. Mm. So I would hope that all recent migrants find out about this story, but I severely doubt that many will just because of the pressures of being a migrant and and where to look for this sort of thing. Mm. It's, yeah, it's not a, a Pakia mainstream view. And so I don't know. Are there any um, ways that you see that changing for migrants and for refugees in the future, like connection and engagement with that sort of thing? Any hopes you have in that regard? Mm. I'm sceptical of our education system and you know what it can do. But also, at the same time, I think it's a good move for the education system and the history curriculum, the new history curriculum that talks about needing children to learn about te ao Māori and Māori histories within Aotearoa. If, you know, the migrant parents don't learn about it, then their children will in schools now, we hope. And there's a whole nother conversation around, like, how how ready are the, the history teachers, the Pākehā history teachers who haven't taught this ever, is it actually going to be okay? Kind of like Matariki is a public holiday. We just went and did it. And now we have to look back and be like, was it okay? And was it, did it honour Matauranga Māori? Or did businesses just use it as a chance for another weekend long sale? <laughs> Maybe it's a little bit of both of these things. Mm. Um, but yeah, my hope is that children will learn about it in schools and that might do something, that might start something. Mm. That's kind of my biggest hope in that area mm. at the moment. Yeah. That's really good. I think I've seen that reflected to some degree in my own experience as being a child of migrants, where that's mm. something that my parents, having moved there, I think you're right, and I think there is a lot of pressure on migrants, and it's just something that, particularly when they moved here a few decades ago, it was just not really as much of a, I suppose, commonly talked about thing as it is now. Mm. So me, for me and my siblings going through school, those are then conversations that we as, as children can open up with our migrant parents. So I think that is, yeah, really valid thought that I think like definitely has lots of potential to actually play out. And it's great to be able to like have discussions with educated people around that sort of thing to then bring to mm. other people who don't know anything. Mm. My hope is also that especially as the conversation progresses around constitutional transformation and honouring tutility, et cetera, more migrant communities will be talking about this as migrant communities as well. I do think it's just such a beautiful thing in New Zealand how we really do have quite a diversity of cultures and a growing diversity of cultures and in my kind of small amount of cross-cultural experience, I just, I think pretty quickly all of this stuff about like thinking that I could help or had something to bring as somebody who is white 
was quickly kind of really challenged and and brought to the surface. And I, I think like the most beautiful thing about interacting together is as people from different places or with different belief systems or just kind of yeah different cultures and identities is is the weaving together of those things and what we can all learn from one another and I think like what you've talked about today has really highlighted that in quite a beautiful way that kind of weaving together of we can learn from one another and let us not like forget that like yes I have something to offer but so do you and and would I have ears to hear what Mm. you have to offer me and what I have to learn from you yeah it's Mm. really cool and so on that I wonder if you can also just share any hopes that you have for all people who are tangata tiriti. Mm. Well, as well as being a PhD student, I'm also a tutor. And so a lot of the hope I see is um, in the classroom and how that's changed in the years that I've been teaching. I remember when I used to teach this first year law course a few years ago, and it was very much a Pākehā-centric course. There was a week on the treaty and you know, many weeks on the Pākehā side of things and very little on tikanga Māori in that course. And so fast forward a few years and there was a new course coordinator, a man named Carwin Jones, who was Māori and who I really respect. And he, um, with lots of care and love, he um, completely dismantled that course and built it again from the ground up. And now students in that course are introduced to Tikanga Māori if they haven't encountered it before, they're introduced to it. And a lot of effort is put into teaching Tikanga Māori, teaching about Te Tiriti o Waitangi. Um, and that's the whole first half of the course, which is, I think, a lot better than a week. And the kinds of conversations we have in the classroom are very different because of that. And I have Pākehā students talking to me about how this is all stuff they've they've never heard before, but they are glad they're learning about it now and they wonder why they haven't learnt about it before. And then these are the same students who are now going to go through the rest of their law degree um, with this understanding. The rest of the law degree hasn't changed as much as that particular course that's still in the works. But at the very least, these students are going to go through the rest of law school questioning why every other course wasn't like that first one. And then as as things change further, the newer students, it will just be how things always have been for them. And then they'll become lawyers and judges and public servants and little by little will change the world, I hope. I definitely get hope from, at the very least, the discussions that I'm having in my classrooms changing so drastically, even in a few years, but yeah. I need to acknowledge that's mostly the work of a few Māori academics who have taken it on themselves in order to make this change. And I am very grateful to them and respect them very deeply for that. One question we had was, what is your most controversial opinion? And one another way of framing that question is maybe if you were in a room with other people from your field, so maybe other law, PhD oh, yes, yeah, yeah. what is something you think that you would disagree with, with everyone else? Oh, that's a great question. Probably a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have maybe the biggest one? Probably the biggest one would be this legal system that we've spent 
all of our years studying and are now, you know, doing PhDs on or our academics and is completely illegitimate. And so, you know, maybe it's still a worthwhile topic of study because it is how things are at the moment in terms of like, this legal system is the current one that um, the police will arrest you on if you disobey it, or the army will you know, enforce. enforce against you if you do not comply with it. But um, that's kind of all of the legitimacy it has in my, in my eyes. It's, um, as I said, copied and pasted from England and then developed here from predominantly a Pakia point of view, which was not um, what was envisioned in Titiriti, which, you know, the Crown likes to point to Titiriti as the justification for everything it's done, but that's not a particularly accurate view of what Titiriti actually did. Also, for people who care about politics, it's like, that's really great you care about politics, but that entire system is also illegitimate. Um, so maybe it's just all of us making the best of a bad lot with what we currently have, but it's distracting us from the main thing, which is complete constitutional transformation. So this is a Rain question and she loves to ask it, but we just want to know any books that you're reading at the moment. Oh, I'm currently reading about a thousand books. Um, and, you know, every day... Um, I'm like, which which book do I feel like reading a little bit of today? One book that I'm reading that I'm really grappling with is Michael King's book on being Pakia, or the, the updated version being Pakia now. It's kind of like a, a spectre that's been there the entire time doing my research about tangata tiriti and identity and belonging in Aotearoa. Here was um, some Pakia guy's stab from the 70s or 80s and then the updated version in the 90s about what that meant. And he talks about wanting Pākehā to be indigenous to New Zealand because they've been here long enough and have developed a distinctive culture from England and lots of Pākehā. Look back to England and like, England who? Isn't, not me. And so his work comes up in a lot of people's work that I've read, Ani Mikaire especially writes a particularly scathing critique <laughs> of um, their work. But I thought to myself, I, I also have to read it and be in pain <laughs> as I read it in order to learn from his point of view and also hopefully not to copy any of his mistakes because it's dangerous writing in a field about Toiwi identity. I could be the next Michael King if I wasn't careful. I could try and shape this thing into something I wanted it to be because I want to belong here. And so it's it's kind of a warning. So that's that's a hard book that I'm reading at the moment. I'm um, reading um, Hirini Mokomid's book on tikanga Māori. I think it's called Living by Māori Values and it's kind of like a, a 101 book, I think. A lot of people read it as an introductory text in uni courses. And it was also one that I've been putting off for a while, but it's, it's one that I need to read. I need to read a lot of books on tikanga Māori. But at the same time, I also, I read them, but I need to be careful that I don't just treat them like any other academic text and appropriate quotes to put in my research. 
Yeah, and reading that book, one thing I am thinking about is how to treat tikanga Māori and mātuaranga Māori with respect and care that acknowledges my place as tangata tiriti. It's something that is part of my research and it also is not something that I can treat the same way as a Māori researcher. And so it's, it's a grapple. A light-hearted book that I'm reading at the moment or rereading many times is, is the Heartstopper series, um, also a Netflix series, and that's been a, a great source of life for me over the last wee while. It's, it's a really hopeful, queer romance, high school vibe. I read it back in the day when it was just a webcomic in some obscure part of the internet, and then it got turned into books, and now it's a Netflix series, and like, I would have killed for it as a teenager in high school, mm -hmm. going through many of the things that the characters go mm -hmm. through. I'm, I'm glad the kids of today get that as, as a source of hope for mm -hmm. them. Yeah, it's very sweet. It's That's such beautiful. a good show. Have you ever seen it, Rachel? I haven't. It's come up on my Netflix. Yeah, Etienne introduced it and we watched it, I think, in, in a day. Like, it's very short. Oh, so good. Um, and so sweet, so beautiful. Yeah. You have been a joy to hear from. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for your Thank time. Thank you so yeah. much, Etienne. So, it's been so good. Yeah. Yeah, a privilege to listen to someone. Yeah just a bit further along the journey and I'm mm. like quite, yeah, significantly yep. further along the journey. Yeah, figuring out what it means to be tongue of the So thank you. Thank you so much.